Guys, we are back after a long spell. We've missed you, I'm sure you've missed us. But anyway, we're back to talk all things town after our brilliant last-ditch point at Coventry. Here with me tonight is Gaz K, Ian Kilroy, and guest to give the pod a bit of gravitas. It's Alistair Bell, chairman of the HGSA. <laughs> Guys, welcome. Really good to have yeah. you on. Let's get straight into it because we've got lots to talk about. Let's talk about the game last night. Always really difficult with Darren Moore coming in. So much, you know, so little time to work with the squad. And it was always going to be really difficult. Coventry are a really established side. Mark Robbins has been there for a long time. Yes, they've lost a couple of really, really good players, but they still had the crux of a really good squad there. So it was always going to be a difficult test. But I'll be honest, that first half, it, it were like we were in FA Cup at Man City away and it were just one-way traffic all half. And I just looked at it and thought, oh, no. We've gone from being really difficult to beat under Warnock to this just really passive, timid side that just looked like it had lost hope before it had even begun. Went a goal down... Ironically, a bit unlucky, really. I, I still convinced that it was handball, but it was one of them where it was 50-50. A bit difficult to judge. And I just thought this is a 3 0 all day long. And then the old cliche game of two halves came out second half. We actually we looked braver on the ball. We pushed higher up the pitch. We didn't just sat back with a back five, scared to come out. We pushed up. And Coventry just seemed to, I don't know whether it's a bit of complacency on their part, but they just seemed to rush things a bit. We got some momentum, took a bit of a foothold in the game, had a couple of shots and we often puffed and looked like we weren't going to get anything. And then Nichols pulls off an absolutely outstanding save towards the end. Got the look he deserved with the, with the rebound. The guy put it over and I think I could have scored it, to be honest, but fully deserved for that reaction save and then right at the death we managed to get the goal so I'm I'm really pleased for Darren Moore because I think if that first half performance would have continued into the second half and we'd have lost three or four nil I think the vitriol to not necessarily to him but to the board would have been pretty um <laughs> would have been thick and fast on on social media but he's he's got a point at a, at a difficult place to go to it gave me hope that second half that the squad, they do have some fight in them. They are still prepared to play for him. They looked a lot more cohesive as a unit, playing with purpose. I was really impressed with Rodoni again, who was fast becoming one of my favourite town players this season. Helic and Pearson outstanding at the back as well. So I, th- I thought a weird game, really. First half, no positives. Second half, loads of positives. Yeah, I think you're right. Um... A draw was probably a fair result in, at the end of the day. Um, he loves a last-minute goal, big Daz, doesn't he? That's for sure. So you know, I, I was I was delighted for the team because it was a game of two halves, a bit similar to to perhaps a Stoke game at home, where um, the first half we we looked really pensive. We we, we sort of let the the other team run the game, but we seemed to get a, the last five minutes of the first half. We just sort of seemed to get a bit of a a foothold, and that continued then in the second half. Um, I also thought he made a couple of cute subs. I thought Tom, the timing of the, the Thomas sub was was spot on and saw him cause him quite a few problems when he came on. But he took a big risk, you know, changing what was a set set formation and, and a way of playing. He decided he was going to do it his way and not and not leave it. The easier solution would have been to leave it as he was. 
And and for the first 40 minutes, like you, Nick, I, I actually texted Connor and said, this has got 3-0 written all over it. You know, I, I think Bar Pearson, Elik and Nakayama in the first half, really, I don't think anybody contributed anything. But ironically, in the second half, I'm sure, sure Ian's going to go on about this shortly anyway. But, you know, I thought actually the back three helped us make the difference. They played 10 yards further up, which meant we pressed further up. I agree with you about Rodoni, and I don't think it's any coincidence, by the way, that Rodoni's had his best games I've seen in town shirts while Wiles was playing alongside him. You know, Wiles, Wiles went a little bit under the radar in the game, but God, did he cover some ground that boy? He really, really did. And I think it's a timely reminder of how how vital Jonathan Ogg is to that team. And you know, without you know, without his his uh, his experience and driving the centre mid, we can be left wanting sometimes. So. Yeah, I think a draw was a fair result and, and I was delighted for Michael, Michael Hellick. That finish, by the way, every time you watch it, it gets better. It's a really cool finish. He opens his body up lovely and still manages to control it to go into the top, into top bins because if he'd have slashed at it, it would have hit the defender or hit the goalie. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think at half-time I was, I was concerned, but I was really impressed with the way the team performed. And, and you're right, Nick, I think they spoke with passion about Neil afterwards, Hoggy and Michael Hellick in the interview, but they also were clear that they're, they're right behind Darren Moore and that uh, they're clear they're going to play for him. So, yeah, a, a cracking point, a tough place to go. I think you're right. I guess the only other thing I'd add to that, I pretty much, pretty much agree with it, and um, the other thing I'd add is, I guess, with we were on a high, I guess, just before then Warnock left, so it was always probably going to be a bit awkward initially, with like especially that first half. You could probably tell the players are a bit timid and probably a bit weird for them not having Warnock sort of around and sort of uh, sort of buying them on there, really. Uh, but I guess, you know, it's a good sign that they came in the second half. They sort of massively improved again. Um, and like you said, like it's good to see that we, we've got a strong spine there to sort of keep, keep us going. Um, yeah, no, I pretty much agree with what you said. No, I really enjoyed the game yesterday. I thought it was championship football that is pretty much at its best. It's it's not necessarily the best quality every time, but in the games where it's not the best quality, it's still pretty entertaining to watch. Um, fair play to any at Town fans. I went down on a Monday night because it's not necessarily the easiest trip. What was it? A good a good couple of hours each way. At the best of times, especially with the traffic from Huddersfield. I thought that first half. The thing is, it's it's, it's we're going to have to compare it to our Warnock had to set up the first few games of the season, aren't we? Right. And and Warnock's football is kind of pretty similar, not necessarily in how we played in that first half, but we never do too much. And where Warnock does really well is he adjusts it at half-time and in the second half, we normally come out with a much different team. He likes to look at weaknesses that the other team are offering and we look to counter that and, and try and find those weaknesses and, and, and get a result based on that. Now, that isn't what happened yesterday, but we've had so many first halves where they haven't been great. Just thought last week weren't great, were it? The second half look a different team. Um, I thought yesterday we'd just... It looked like a team unsure of what to follow when it came to approaching the game. Um, we went back to a back three and I, I tweeted about it a little bit. When, when you're playing with a back three and you don't have goal scorers, you kind of have to revert to that lead style where the centre-backs are given free roam to break forward and cause overloads in the middle. And now in that first half, it didn't happen at all. And the problem we have there is Naki Armand, naturally, is a bit of an attacking fullback, and we've got him playing there as a left centre-back and it just didn't look like he knew exactly what to do in the first half. Um we, we looked like we were second-guessing stuff. There were two corners in a row, 20 minutes in, where Coventry got it, and they went for a quick corner on the... First, it was on the far side, and there were three men played a little quick corner, and it got to the edge of the box. They tried to shoot. We blocked it, went out for a corner. And now, straight away, they had a second corner from that and did exactly the same thing, and we still didn't adjust and make up for it. That doesn't happen if Warnock's here. And to me, 
that kind of just shows that indecision that, that we're on, on show in that first half. Um, then the goal, it's a great shot from from range, but it's it's come I don't know where your hand is attached to Nick, but my hand didn't attach to my to my balls because that's exactly where it went in back at it. I can't say it came off his hand, it came straight off his nuts and went straight in. Um, but that's pretty unlucky in it for us. You do make your own look, but it's just come off the bar. He's not had to make a decision and it's gone in the back of the net. We're 1-0 down. So to me, when we, we take away Nichols' amazing save at the end of the game, I think Contry only really likely should have scored one anyway. Um, but the f- the first half, it, it continued that way. We just didn't look like we were attacking with purpose that we did under Warnock. When we got the ball and started breaking forward, we kind of reverted back to this a bit sideways passing, a bit Fotheringham had that. He had us playing that way, where it kind of went nowhere. We we never really looked like we were going to score or create too much. It just looked like pedestrian football. Warnock was much more, less possession-based, direct, uh, focusing on, on, on problems. So you can definitely see that more. Even from the first half, it was a different approach. We just didn't really look like we knew what we were doing. But like Gaza said, Wiles is really good in that midfield. And if you've got Wiles and Ogg in there, with Helic in the back line, and Tom needs to come back at some point, and Matt Pearson, there's no team going to overrun us through the middle. That's just not going to happen. Problem is then, though, we're going to get attacked by the wings. And I think that's why Darren Moore made made the, the big call there to leave Sauber Thomas out. He went with Healy and Jackson, didn't he? As his, his wing-backs in that back three, back five, whatever you want to call it. And to be honest, I thought in the entire game, both of them were probably the weakest links for us. Um, I thought they showed their inexperience. Like, technically, they look fine. But the little things they do, to me, is what makes a, a junior footballer, a youth footballer, into into a senior player and a, and a leader and, and a bona fide first team starter and neither of them are there yet. There were a couple of things. Um, Jackson, he, he, he was chasing back on a um, Coventry defenders and the defender was just shielding it out and Jackson didn't really. I think he fouled him or he, he just didn't really put much of a challenge in when he was going out for a dead ball. And it doesn't sound like very much, but it epitomizes the lack of experience he has at the moment. And why, to me, I think you still have to go with Sorba Thomas, even when you're looking at the weaknesses that, uh, that they're going to have when um, it comes to defending. Coventry were focusing on that. They were looking at behind the full-backs and attacking our wide centre-backs all the way through that first half. And we didn't really have an answer to it. But again, with Helic in the middle, you, you ain't going to give easy chances away. So we looked like we were going to be all right. But that second half, we a totally different game. And it all came down to our centre-backs bombing forward. Everyone were forward. Last End of last season, Matt Pearson looked like Gary Lineker or Mike Lowe in his prime dinner. He, he was, what has he got? Four or five in six, seven games at the end of the season. He was unbelievable. And, and yesterday... We've got Helic doing it, you've got Nakayama doing it, and you've got Pearson doing it. And now when you've also got a midfield of Wiles and Hogg that are going to cover, as soon as one of those centre-backs go forward, that can make up for us not having a number nine, because we just still don't have a number nine. Although we might have Kyle Ludlin, actually. We'll, we'll go on to that in a little bit, because he's he, he were a real handful when I thought when he came on yesterday. And then you've got Kian Arrett. He, he's got a little back heel in for, for the equaliser as well. And it looks like he's got just something about him. I can't really watch him and think he's a fantastic player, but he makes things happen. And that's what you need to be when you're a striker. Not necessarily how good you look, it's what you can produce and what you can score and how many assists you get. And he just seems to do it. Rudoni looks like a different player after Warnock. I thought he ran the mid- I thought he ran our creative creative football in that second half. He looks like he's not scared anymore. He, he, when, when he first came into the team, he, it's a step up from League One to the Championship. And it definitely looked like he could. He was th- overthinking what to do. He was worried about being out of position and and then the other team being able to counter the mistakes that he's made and, and costing us a goal. Where now he plays with a bit more freedom. He's got a little bit more arrogance about him and, and he's not worrying about the defensive aspect of his play. And to be honest, you don't have to if you've got Wiles and uh, Johnny Ogg behind you. Now, I think that's making a really big difference to him. But for that second half, it, it showed us what I think Darren Moore's wanting to bring into us. I think our defence will be pretty much a similar style to what we had under Warnock. We were, we passed about a bit, but when you're in danger, you're getting it forward. Um 
But when, when we're in attack, we're going to look at utilising late runs from from defenders and, cent- and, and central defensive midfielders and trying to overload and, and cause problems. I've not seen much about what Sheffield United fans and, uh, have written about him and, and how they, they want to play football. But that yesterday was a very different approach to what we've had under Warnock. And, and I think we're going to see more of that going forward. And it was really, it, it was, I, I, found, I don't know about you guys, but I found it fun to watch in that second half. And, and it, it, and one thing that, that did strike me was I'm, I'm not entirely bought into the narrative of why Warnock went when he went. Again, we'll get onto that in a bit. But they were talking about the transition. We want a bit of a long-term structure. And it did feel to me, watching that game in that second half, you could see there's definitely a style of football we want to play and it will take a bit of time getting there. We all knew Warnock weren't going to be here for long. And, and, and more football managers only the last 18 months, we know that. But it did feel like a bit of a long-term, long-term thing, and and I quite enjoyed that in the second half. Quite surprisingly, I, I didn't expect to feel that way. But watching the football, enjoying it, you, and seeing a progression even within a ninety-minute game was something I found quite refreshing. And I just made to look forward to the game at the weekend. Now, where do you think Pearson fits in that then going forward? Because although he got forward a bit, he, he didn't. He didn't look one. I mean, obviously the. The last team who's done this and, and got any acclaim was Sheffield United under Wilder, wasn't it? So it was almost like Wilder invented centre backs who step over the halfway line. But you know they played in a very similar way, but their centre halves were a bit more mobile than, than Pearson's. The irony is Pearson in the first half was brilliant. I thought he headed and kicked everything. So you take Matty Pearson out of the team, you're going to lose it in one way, but you're going to get in it back the other. So you know you've got Rams. Sorry, you've got Red Jamie who's much more mobile, young lad, right footed. Would you see him coming in any, and or do you see him sticking with that that I, three as his first choice? We, what we spoke about before on the episode that hasn't been released, the the problem we've got is I think our first team is really good, but we don't have the depth. So I think your you back your back if we're going with the back three, which more prefers, I think it's what we went with yesterday. Plus you've got Tom Lee's, but between Tom Lee's and the way Hellick plays and Matty Pearson, they're not going to be fit forever. Nakiyama's only just come back from being out for twelve months, but for me, the back three of those four, a selection of those four. I think Lees is your back up to Helic at this point. I really do think if we're not having a... Well, we can't bring a striker in now until January and the striking options we've got, you've got to play with a more attacking, defensive part of the team, which doesn't sound very orthodox. I get that. But I thought yesterday, with with Nakayama especially, I thought he was by far the best player on that field yesterday. And he does look a bit not entirely match fit. There were a bit of decision-making, a little bit slow. But his touch was class. His positioning is is as good as anyone else on our pitch on the pitch. And he's a centre back or a left back. Um, I, I, you can't not afford to play him. I think he's the best attacking outlook we've got. A bit similar to when we had Pippa. I thought Pippa was still in, a, in mm-hmm. not the same style of footballer, but the way he played and Toffler on the other side. But especially with Pippa, the, the way he played Jack Hunt years before. Even if they don't score the goals themselves, it just creates so much of an issue for the team having to two him up or or whatnot. Who's going to follow? a left centre-back back like uh, Nakayama. Who, who's going to be able to follow? Who, who, who's going to track him from the other team? It's really going to have to shift a full formation because of it. And again, we're unable to do it because of Wiles and Hogg. So as long as those guys stay fit, if we have Wiles and Hogg at centre midfield, I think the back three have to stay as it was yesterday for me. And with, with Tom Lees as a, a backup, but then he's he, he's going to be a while to get fit as well, isn't he? I think his injury were pretty bad. They were talking about him coming back for West Brom game, but he didn't. He, he didn't play that one, and he's, he's. I think he played against Newcastle in a B team game, and I don't know if he's, he didn't play today, did he? In the in the B team game against um, whoever all stuffed us this afternoon six two. So for me, it's got to be it's got to be these back three. I think Pearson offers too much going forward to be able to drop him, even if even if everyone always talks so glowingly about Lee's. 
because Michael Michael Michael, Michael Hellick, he's the best we've got as, a, as, a, as an outright defensive centre back. So between him and Nakayama can't change. Pearson's informed goal scoring. I think it's got to be it's got to be that. But with such a small squad that we've got and, and so many games in the championship, everyone, all of those guys will be playing quite a lot of games. I think. I think as well the big important point. Oh, sorry, um, just about the lack of striker. I think when you when you, especially when you're away from home and if like the team is proper going for you. And like, if you don't have a good striker who can hold the ball up and you don't have that outlet, like you are going to struggle, especially in the early part of games. And I guess there's also like the Robbins factor as well. So I don't know if you guys remember much, like it, it always seemed to be when Robbins was in charge, like the first half would play pretty well. And then the second half would pretty much just like fall off like Cliff and do absolutely nothing. And I think Coventry fans are maybe feeling that a bit as well. But I guess like, yeah. Even I guess even like with the sort of the defenders sort of playing making runs and creating space in the middle of the park, I guess if like a team is proper going for us, I think there's still like a massive weakness there with like not having a like a, a striker that can hold the ball up well unless um, unless Hudlin is like able to get in the in the squad and do that. Let's have a chat about Hudlin then, because I I I was really impressed with Hudlin actually. I was going to bring it up. He wasn't on for long, was it? But I think I think because he's so tall, people kind of just they immediately write him off. Just he's, he's almost like a bit of a figure of fun to some because he's so tall, and they just assume that he's not going to be a good footballer, which is madness, really. I think if he were a few in shorter, then people would be like, "Oh yeah, getting started, getting started." I I thought he was he's he's not good in the air at all. I don't think he won a single header, but on the floor, his touch, his control, close control, I thought was really good. And obviously, the link-up play we were doing it towards the end. I think he deserves a bit of a chance, you know, in, in, as a run in the first team because he, he offers as much as Arup to me. He scores goals. He scored lots of goals for B team. He scored when he came on against Middlesbrough in the in the in the cup game. So I I think you know why not? You know, it's not like we've got strikers that are scoring goals at the moment. Get him on. Give him a give him a go. Let's let's see what he can do. We might as well. And then in January, if it's if it's not happening with either him or, or Harrod, we can we can look at the options. Although it's going to be hard in January to get a striker, isn't it? Because we know how hard it is in the in the January transfer window to get to get good players, good value. But I think we I think he's done enough in the games he's played in to be at least given a chance to show what he can do. Well, the goal yesterday came from him um, winning a second ball. The first ball came from Nichols. It was a long ball, and I think it, I can't remember it floated over, but Udlin, Udlin managed to get it to, to play off to Rodoni, I think it was, um, for the equaliser. But because he's so big, even if he's not great in the air, the biggest guy on the other team is going to have to mark him because they aren't going to put the sh- anyone anyone shorter than him on it. And what, happened, yeah, what happens when somebody's six foot, he's six foot nine, isn't it? It's not only you get one man marking him, the teams normally panic. And if you watched it yesterday, there they were one in the box where he should have won a header. I think it might have been a corner or a crossing from Saul Thomas. And he did lose it, like you said, Nick. But they ended up two guys trying to chase him down because he's so big when he's going. They kind of panicked and raced towards him because he's so big. And now you can do all the data analysis and performance analysis you want. And you can know as a centre-back that that other striker is not very good in the air. But in the game, when the cross is in and he's taller than you, you shit your pants and you do whatever you can to stop him doing it. And if he's so much bigger than another player that's underneath him, a second player might come to try and do it. And our goal came from that exact thing. It came from him laying it off. But because he got it and they were so worried about him getting the ball to his feet because he's so big... Two of them went up the back of him. Rodoni were away, saw Thomas were in, and Cross went in, and we scored from it. That's that's where the goal came from. So yesterday, to me, Carl Ludens won as a point. It wasn't the assist. It wasn't the assist of the assist, but his move made Coventry panic to create the space for us to get in for an amazing finish from Hellick. I think he 
to me, he deserves a start. Whether he's going to be a 90-minute striker, I don't know. A lot of strikers his of his height don't usually manage 90 minutes too well. And I, I think the only one I can think of that's managed it would Peter Crouch, realistically. And, and then he never made it to the top based on his ability because, again, for some reason, fatigue seems to set in and they don't seem to be able to to run quite as much. Maybe it's something to do with the height. No, it probably probably makes sense. But he's an impact player at worst, and at best, he could be best. He could be the, the the best option we have up front at the moment. He could be, and, and I don't think that's hyperbolic reactionism. I think that's quite accurate based on what he's done in, especially this season, the games this season for both the B team and the first team, the little little games he's got. But he's just entertaining. I just love watching him. He, he's just he doesn't play like a big man. Yesterday, he, he, he was he came back for the corner. Of course, you'd send him back for our corner because you want him to to clear the ball out. And the ball broke away. We tried to counter attack, and on the counter attack, we lost it in the middle. And and straight away, even though he's a striker, instead of instead of staying upfield, he started to rush back, and, and we're chasing their right winger, dribble it down right wing, and he would play, he was filling in at a left back role. He's not, he's six foot nine. He's a striker, and he's running back and doing the dirty work like that. And you can't not enjoy that when when you see a young lad come in. For his for his first few well, I know it's not his first game for the first team, but it's really early in his career for it, and 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 he's willing to put the work in like that. Also contribute to a goal. He, he deserves more time for me. In yesterday, I oh, thought he came on. I thought it was too late that he even came on yet. It worked. I get it. So well done, Darren. You got it spot on. But I I, I thought the game would call out for him earlier because we got Sober Thomas whipping in some amazing crosses, and you've got a six foot nine guy on the bench, and he took it. I think he brought him on eighty third minute, and after me, I'd have had him on as soon as Sober Thomas came on, and I think. Going forward, that's what will happen. I think we'll see much more yeah. of him if we're struggling. No, I was just gonna I'm just gonna quickly say, but like yeah, I've not actually seen Haddock do anything that Hudlin hasn't done basically. I think Haddock seems to be given like much more of a chance so far. But yeah, completely agree. I think definitely definitely give Hudlin a chance. And also, like you say, the way that opponents have got to deal with him, either like yeah, try and rush over to him and then that creating space or like the ball's played to a feet, just like backing off him, just like using him as a be able to lay off to other people. I think like, it's something something we really need, uh, given that we've not got the quality elsewhere uh, in the squads compared to other teams. So I was going to say, and if Moore's going to play five three two, of course we're going to play with two strikers, aren't we? It's a long time since we played with two strikers, so that's going to these young lads are going to have to get a chance because we haven't got two first class. Championship strikers. That's why we ended up with Bergsorg and Karoma playing there yesterday. Well, that ain't a long-term solution, is it? So, you know, I, I can see it'll be either Bergsorg and Karoma plus one other. I think. I think, and, and I, I think Thomas did enough. In do you not think? Do you not think? Do you not think we'd go Thomas and Karoma as wingers? Well, I, I just going to say, I, I think. Thomas did enough in his cameo to stick claim to be the right wing back come Saturday, yeah. and I think Jackson looked. Better, he, he looked a bit lost at right wing back. And I thought when you put him to left wing back, I actually thought he played quite well. He got forward well. He got back well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Headley, but I thought Headley had a bit of a, a bit of a poor game. Um, so it could have been either him or Jackson that got taken off for Thomas. But I just thought Ben Jackson showed a bit when Thomas came on. So I'd be very surprised if he doesn't play Thomas as right wing back on on Saturday. Very surprised. He looked, he looked a class above when he came on, didn't he? Apart from Nakayama, I thought Sober Thomas when he came on, he ran the game. 20 minutes, but he were all he were all over. It just felt like it, it felt like we looked a different team with him in, didn't it? it we, we saw with Thomas, you know that. It's 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 his attitude that that sometimes I think it's it's lazy punditry, not that we're pundits, but it's quite lazy, I think, when, when you call a player like Sober Thomas that flair winger lazy or attitude problems. 
But it just, it's more, his confidence within games drops sometimes if it's not going our way. Whereas yesterday, he came up with a point to prove him for 20 minutes. He ran the game. He ran the show. Every time he got the ball, it felt like something was going to happen. Um, and, and we don't have many players like him at our club. We've got Karoma, who I think's going to be the most improved player again this year. He seems to do it every year, doesn't he? He's great one year and then awful. Mm. And then great and then awful. And and this this year, he looks really good again. He looks like he's interested. Um, my only worry, I suppose, with both of them playing as is, is wingers, if you've got your centre-backs bombing on forward as well, Wiles and Hogg have to be in the team, obviously, to cover him. But there's going to be quite a lot of space there between the full-backs because how much dirty work are they going to do? Sauber Thomas under Warnock even cost us quite a few goals in that um, by, by not necessarily tracking back or pretty poor defending, trying to block shots and stuff. So you can see Moore's problem is going to be how do you fit Karoma and Sauber Thomas in? Because I know we like to play Karoma as a striker. To me, he's not a striker, he's a winger. And Sauber Thomas and Karoma are the best attacking outlet goal scorers we have. So you have to fit him in somewhere but you're going to try and play with three centre-backs. So it's a real dilemma for him to, to get that right for me. But as, as a front two, I'd have, like you say, Danny Ward's got to be one of them if he's about, but he's not. Bergzog's going to play play as a striker, I think, isn't he? I'd have him as a striker over. He's definitely not a full-back anyway. Um, so he's going to have to play as a striker. So that second spot next to him is up for grabs for me. And um, I'd probably I'd probably go with Har- I know you say Harris not done very much, but I just I feel like he may, things happen when he's on the pitch, and again it could be his dummy runs and whatnot. I'm a big believer in fundamentals of football, not not statistics, not just statistics. I think when we when he plays for some reason, we seem to score goals or create more, and it could be a lot of stuff he's doing off the ball. It could be a it could be hassling defenders, whatever, making it uneasy for him. But I just think at the moment he's earned his right to start this weekend. But but I'd be bringing Udlin on pretty early doors in that second half if it's not going right because he's he gives us a different dimension and, and long term I would not be, I'd be more surprised if he's not in the team by Christmas um, than, than if he was. You got to give him at least thirty minutes, Udlin, aren't you? Just to give him a chance. I mean, even even in the short spells, I mean, look at how long he was on against Middlesbrough and look how long he was on last night and he's impacted both in both them games. So he he deserves at least thirty minutes for me. To show what he can do. My my only concern with the tide, and it's it's been the same all season. He just pace at the back. Like we 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 really struggle against pace. I think, I think we've got a good defense, but when we're up against really quick wingers or strikers running behind, we 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 really struggle to get back. And I saw that against Stoke, playing long balls into the chance, but just using pace to get in behind. And it was the same. It was the same last night using pace to get... And even when um, when Wright came on for him in the second half, I thought they struggled with him because he brought the pace on, running again, getting the ball, running behind. And I think if I was looking for additional players in the transfer window, obviously the striker, but I would be looking at another pacey centre-back longer term, I think, to be honest. And I would put Nakayama out as a left wing-back. Because like you're saying, he's, he's very, very good attacking you know, it's not just his defence. He, he offers so much more in an, in an attacking sense that I would I would try and get another centre back. I mean, Lee's I, I really like him, but again, he's, he's not getting any younger. Pearson, I, I think he's a really good defender, but his distribution isn't very good. But I, I get that. Yeah, he does score a lot of headers from set pieces, but I I just think we, we're short of a bit of pace at the back. So it'd be, it'd be nice to to have that option of a bit of a, a bit you know a bit of a pacier centre back, whether it's someone on loan to begin with or a you know someone a bit younger. I think and and someone you know eventually we're going to have to replace Jonathan Og, aren't we? <laughs> eventually. So and and I was kind of hoping like I mean I really like Sumu, but again that's he, he gets injured more often than not. 
you know, we we yeah. need more options in there because, like you say, if we get injured to Og now, what what we're going to do there? You know, suddenly it, the midfield looks really good at the moment, but as soon as we get an injury to one of those three players, we'll look very short again. So we, we I I think. You know, it'd be nice to see us kind of get through till January and then try and address those areas for me. That's where I think we're, we, it's just a depth thing, isn't it? It's a squad depth yeah. thing. It's a squad depth thing where we're short. But let's move on then, guys. So obviously we've got to talk about Neil Warnock, haven't we? We've we've done the game now, but it was... It, to say it was a surprise was a bit of an understatement for me. I was like, "What?" When I saw the, when I saw the news, we all knew we were going to go, didn't we? And and I think you know, mm-hmm. Neil Warner, he he kind of thought he, he said in the presser he thought maybe Christmas time. I thought we'd get to sort of January, February, make sure we we're going to stay up because with Neil Warnock for me we were like ninety percent guaranteed to stay up, safe pair of hands, give ourselves time to get the right appointment. And then suddenly this, you know, saw the rumours come through on the on the Friday and I thought, Oh, surely not. And then that's that's it. And um yeah, it was a it was a it was a big shock. There was a lot of um there was a lot of outcry from the supporters on social media. And they came out saying, Obviously, look, we've got we've found the guy, we've, we've, we've done the diligence, we've looked at the options, we've found this guy is, is the right person to take us forward long-term. We've got to act now to, to, to get this guy. We're ready to go. I thought, great, you know, and, and, and then as soon as you say that, we've got, you know, we've got our guy now and we've got to get him quick. Suddenly there's this mass sort of, um, excitement about who it's going to be and oh it's going to be Wayne Rooney it's going to be sat on the other and it you know what's that's a big statement you know getting someone in and and then when Darren Moore was announced probably on you know unfairly I think there was a lot of sort of disappointment and a lot of people were a bit underwhelmed by it and to be honest I was a little bit underwhelmed to begin with but then when you kind of look at his stats and his his winning ratio He's he's been a success pretty much everywhere he's been. He he did very well at West Brom. I mean, he was sacked, but they were fourth. And and West Brom fans, you know, say it probably wasn't the best football, but then they didn't go up when they replaced him. So who knows if he'd have stayed, they might have gone up. Did well at Donny. Got poached, went to Wednesday, and and, and obviously we know what happened there. So we're we're getting someone with with experience, with, with championship experience, someone with a promotion on his CV. One of the nicest guys in football. Everyone, everyone keeps telling us. So I think as a long-term appointment, I, I actually the, the more I kind of look at it and think about it, the more I think it is a sensible appointment. You know, rather than just going for a name for name's sake, I think there's more stability with this one. I think it's a safer pair of hands than well. I think it's as safe a pair of hands as we could have had other than Warnock. And I think that was that's yeah. kind of the problem for a lot of fans. It's we're getting rid of someone who's such a good fit for Huddersfield Town and such a safe pair of hands. It better be good if we're going to replace him. So there yeah. was always going to be that, you know, there was always going to be some fans that weren't on side with it. But I, I actually think that this is quite a shrewd appointment. And I think, but it all comes down to if they're going to back him financially in the transfer window. Yeah. You can get whatever manager you want, but if you do not back them, and we've, we've all heard the statement, haven't we? At Warnock dropped the, dropped the bomb first, and they you made sure he got that, the three-year plan to get the Prem. Um, and then they kind of confirmed it. But if, you, if you're if going to have 
mission statements like that, that's great. And I, I love to see ambition like that. You know, it's better than us saying, oh, we're underdogs and we're just lucky to be here and, and this, that and the other. That, that's nowhere to be for me. I want to see us, you know, I want to see us to have ambitions to be back in the Prem. And, but three years, that's that's a big that's a big statement. And I hope they're not of the opinion that this current squad is good enough to do that. I don't think they are. They've said they've, they've made the right noises that they're willing to back him, but actions speak louder than words, and that's what it's going to come down to for me. If they give him the players to do the job, I think that Darren Moore could be a big success. But it's whether they're going to back him properly. Well, Alice, I, I nobody loved Neil Warner more than I did, so I was gutted to to see the news. Um, the way I rationalised it was, if Neil had not come back in the summer. And we we'd appointed Darren Moore. How would I how would I have felt? And honestly, I'd have been delighted. I, I think in terms of any potential putting Neil to one side, the the pull of this football club with its current squad, its current financial position, could we have done any better than Darren Moore? Honestly, I don't think we could. Honestly, I don't. And and somebody put a really great post on Twitter. And apologies, I can't remember who it was that put it on, but they made a point. Look, it's possible to be really sad about Neil leaving and actually quite pleased about Darren coming in. You don't have to be one or the other. And and I think that's where I got to with it. You know, I was, I was upset to see him go. I think, um, you know, he brought some real pride back to the club, but the players clearly loved him. And Alan Biggs, one of the journals, said today that apparently there were genuine tears from players in the dressing room as he said his goodbye speech. So you're clearly, you know, there's clearly a strong bond. But we all knew it was short term, you know, it, it was always going to be a... Always going to be a sad ending, and better to have loved and lost than never to have loved before. Is how I'm is how I'm trying to file the Neil Warnock tenure in Huddersfield uh, Town away. So, you know, I think um, I, I worry Nick because some of the stuff that was said in the uh, the press conference doesn't make me think they're about to splash the cash. That actually they've appointed uh, Darren on the basis that he's the man to develop the team we've got, develop the squad we've got. So I actually wrote a couple of bits down. Um, you know, Jake Edwards said that it was he was joining because he was willing to work within a joined-up strategy of recruitment and working with talented young players is perfect for the club. And Mark Cartwright said that his playing his playing style is perfect a perfect fit for the existing squad. So, I know that doesn't sound to me like they're expecting to go out and buy a boatload of players in January, unless I'm unless I'm doing them a disservice. And I think that the test for them will be: Are they really of their own mind? You know, Kev. Like it or not, has shown he's he's fairly single-minded here, and and what he wants is what's happening. So the question is, when we have a sticky patch, which if we continue with the current squad, no matter who's in charge, we were always up for a sticky patch at some point because the players aren't that brilliant. We haven't got the strength in depth, as you said, Ian. So we're going to have a sticky patch. Will they ride out when when the fans are kicking off and? and we're remaining 18th, 17th, 15th, whatever it is, are they going to have their own mind to hold steady and say, no, this is part of a plan, and yes, we're having some shit results, but actually we're working We're working to a plan here. Because I think actually one thing I've seen is they're calling in manager, but there's still a recruit, but it looks like the recruitment and transfer strategy will be managed by Mark Cartwright. So is he really a head coach? Is he really a manager or is he a head coach? I'm, I'm also not clear on that, but... Yeah, I'm with you now. I think that the feedback on him as an individual is really positive. I liked him before he was our manager. I always thought he came across really well, really fair, quite professional. Um, and and in the circumstances, I think we've got a really 
solid appointment. I really do. I know that Wednesday fans are having back tomorrow. So I think that says a lot. Yeah, you can always tell, can't you, like how how the fans have always uh, how, how they react to him. And West Brom fans, Don Donny fans, Wednesday fans, all all pretty pretty uh, complimentary about him. I guess it's just like at least it's not Nathan Jones. I get. I think that's what probably a lot of people were probably thinking, to be honest. Like, um, and I think maybe almost maybe a bit disappointing. Think people were ready to like start having a go. The fact that for Nathan Jones, and then that. That was taken away from us, really. So, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, so I guess I echo what you say. Like, love Warnock and great character, but I guess like based on what Moore um, did, especially in the, in the League One playoffs, I think sort of shows that he's got a bit of character and charisma himself. That I think is something that our, our squad definitely uh, definitely react to, and like the man management angle is going to be like really really important if they they wanting to make the most out of the current squad, which. Uh, I think based on like um, I think some interactions on Twitter that that I sort of thought, I think uh, there seemed to be a view that the current squad was almost good enough to sort of compete at a higher level, and I think quite a lot of town fans are probably the majority of town fans. I'd probably say were probably of the opinion that it's not, and you know you can't really take the back end of last season when we we're going going off for points as as the sort of proof of how we're going to perform this season. It's completely different, and we're not probably quite as strong as I'd say as we were. Uh, last season, in terms of uh, in terms of the squad, but I think it certainly needs strengthening. It, you know, I think I think you could argue just to stay in the division, it needs a bit of strengthening because um, it is a much stronger, um, much stronger division um, th- this year. And you know, Coventry away, it's not like that's one of the probably easier fixtures we're probably going to have. I'd probably there say this season. So, um, you know, yeah, I think the proof will be important how how we. Uh, how we do perform on the pitch, but also I think sort of how up front the uh, sort of ownership are in terms of like, what their sort of what their plans are. I think is going to be pretty important to how how much time people are going to give uh, the current arrangement with uh, with more. I'd say as well, and sort of how you know how realistic it is in terms of you know, like I say, like if they are wanting to be in the Premier League next three seasons, um, within three seasons, like, I think people are going to believe that if they. If they invest a bit more on the pitch, um, really, I think if they don't do that, I don't think people are really going to buy into it. Look, Neil Warnock. I, 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 all right, I'll eat some humble pie here. I thought going into this season, I'd be pretty open. I thought we were going to finish 23rd. I thought the signings we made last season were poor at best, and we were very lucky to, uh, to avoid relegation. And if any other coach comes in at the point Neil Warnock comes in last year, I think we're relegated and we're in League One this season. And I'm pretty sure Kevin Nagel expected that to be quite likely to. And that's why he wasn't too bothered about buying the club in the Championship or League One. I'm sure there'd have been a price discrepancy as well. But I don't think anyone could have sat at that point and thought we were going to survive. This year, I don't think we strengthened. And it's remiss. it would be remiss of us not to replay how Warnock left. And no one's covered that just yet. So I'll... I'll I'll, I'll I'll talk us through that in a very delicate manner of how I think it played out. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. Um, but I thought this, the signings this summer were atrocious, and we went into this we went into the season with a squad no better than last year. And I was wrong on that part because players like Radoni have got a year's more experience in the Championship, and it's made a much bigger difference a year a year experience and also experience of playing under Neil Warnock, which has really brought so many players like Roma again. Uh, into being really good championship footballers again. So our squad is better based on experience. 
but we should have still got more bodies in. And I think we were all under the impression that we were going to get more bodies in. And when it didn't come off, um, the there were a bit of vitriolic atmosphere, weren't there, between town fans going into this season. And that's why I thought 23rd. I thought that's where we were going to finish. Now, I'm not saying we're not going to finish there just yet because we have a very small squad. I think Darren Moore is the perfect appointment to follow on from Neil Warnock because he's been, because of what everyone calls his man-management approach. Everyone speaks in a very similar way about Warnock, that players will die for him and, and that they love playing under him as a captain and they're going to, to battle for him at any point. And that, 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 that really resonated well with me. We have got a small squad, like you say, Gaz. Those, those, that run of four or five games without a win will come. But I think Darren Moore seems to be the kind of guy that people still listen to and we're not going to collapse like we did under, under Fotheringham quite a few times. I, I'm not expecting that. I think we're going to be a bit better than that. But I can't accept at all that we intended to get rid of Neil Warnock at this point in the season. And now if Kevin Nagel doesn't tweet out this, right, on the 26th of August after Norwich stuffed us 4-0, that was a tall run by Norwich City. Unacceptable. Town supporters deserve better. I believe the squad is better than this. I don't think we're here today. That tweet sent shockwaves. It started the shockwaves, which Neil Warnock responded to late in a press conference. Was it with Steve Chicken? I think it was, wasn't it? Where kind of out of nowhere, he had a little bit of a pop in regards to he was un- he, he thought he was unacceptable. The players are given the best, and, and, and he was talking about um, he missed out on signings for some reason, but also that the confusion under the budget in regards to he wanted more players in, and he didn't understand that. I think he said Ruffles and Ward would sign would count as new signings or something in the budget. There was, there was yeah. a, a misunderstanding there, and now when that happened, I'm pretty sure we spoke, we tweeted, we texted about it. It felt like he, he was putting himself in a bit of an untenable situation here. He was defending his players, but you've got a new owner coming in, trying to put his imprint on the club. And you've got your, your coach, everybody loves Neil Warnock, and they can't say a word wrong. The fans absolutely love him. Pretty openly saying something negative about the ownership and how the transfer business had gone in the summer. And I think at that moment, things changed for town behind the scenes because it felt... It felt well, he hadn't spoke to him, has he? he I don't think he spoke to Kevin since before the West Brom game. And was that the game after the Norwich game? I think it was the, the game following it. To me, that's no coincidence. And now I might be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I apologise. But if you add it together, it feels like the tweets and the press conference has created a bit of a falling out there and they decided to make the change now. They said that Darren Moore was available, so we had to act now. Do we? He was available in the summer. Um, why, why is it now that we had to act? Why is Darren Moore the thing right now? Um... I struggle to I struggle to accept it exactly as it is, um, but maybe someone else was in for him, and 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 that's why we had to go now. Maybe maybe that is it. And Darren Moore again, I'm like you guys. If it had come in in the summer, and I didn't want Warnock to stay, I want I was I didn't want Warnock to stay because I'm all for long term football, like a long term process. Town needed a restart. Dean Ollie returned a bit sour at the end. We didn't really have any clear direction. We did need a new start, and Warnock staying on for a few months when Warnock seems to be. Always well known for being well in control of the players he brings in. Sol Bamba to every club he's ever been at and Paddy Kenny. Like, that's what he likes. So for him to come in under this structure where Town is still beside the players for his predecessor didn't seem to fit really right with me, my knowledge of him. Um, but anyway, we, we went with it. Following those tweets, all of a sudden we brought Darren Moore in. Um, I, what, what I did did really like with Warnock there, though, even though they were the falling out, and I'm sure there's some sort of agreement between the club and Neil Warnock that he's left and... No one's going to say some, anything particularly nasty about each of them. It seems like everyone's gone gone off and spoken pretty nicely about everybody of how it's ended. But Jepson spoke to BBC Radio Leeds um, about 
they, they, it's not that they were pushed, but it, it, they were asked to kind of step aside. And one, I said, yeah, we, we knew it was going to happen. We thought it was going to be around Christmas. We wanted to push on to the playoffs, which I think is a bit of, adding a little bit of a poison chalice there for Darren Moore coming in afterwards because there's no fucking way in hell this squad's a playoff team. It's just not there yet. Maybe it will be in January, but it's not as of today. We still feel like we're riding looking games and winning it because of tactics late on. It's not It's not a playoff team yet, um, unless I'm very, very wrong as well. Um, but it, it felt like they definitely want to go. Um, but the, 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 but to me, Warnock staying for these last three games has given us seven extra points. But the, what, the West Brom game, three points. We got, what, it, what, what was the last results? What were we on last few games? West Brom, three points. Against Robin, three points. Stoke a point. So there's seven points there that I don't think would have got if Warner could have walked straight after the Nor- Norwich game. But they handled it pretty professionally in-house and, and fair play to them all. I thought they all come out with a bit of class because of it. Um, and, we, and we look, we look, we, we are in a much better position to avoid relegation or however our season is going to play out from there because of how Warnock and um, Kevin Nagel and, and Jake and, and Mark Cartwright discussed it and, and agreed to separate. Fair play to the club because I think it would more or less save our season here. I know it's early doors, but he's at seven points are hard to come back in, come by in this division and can make a massive difference. Last year we ended up what nine points outside from outside relegation because after we nearly won about fifteen games in a row at the end of the season, that's how much of a difference it can make. Darren Moore to me is perfect for us. I think he's really good. I'm still what I'm more interested on now. It's pretty clear, like Gaza said, is going to be in charge of the playing squad on on a Saturday. Now, under Dean Hall, we ran with a B-team model. Maybe this is something HJSA we could probably help with on, on this, in that what have, have we moved away from this B-team model? Because the B-team today, again, got stuffed. Stuffed at home 16. We've, we've got rid of so many players, so much depth, and now we celebrated that what we were doing was before we had our first team playing this way and the B-team were going to play exactly the same way, getting the youth players ready to step up, come in and perform when necessary for the first team. So there's no learning curve from stepping up. At the end of last season, that saved us from relegation when Neil Warnock's come in and he started playing Healy quite a bit and, and a few other mm. younger lads came up. And it worked it, to me, it worked and saved our championship status. It's not cheap, I understand it, because you've got to kind of have a shadow first eleven. That's totally gone now. I'm pretty sure that'll be down to um cost of, cost efficiencies. And um, Nagel's been pretty open about that, hasn't he, Al, when it comes to mm. wanting to run a club self-sufficiently. So a BT model's a bit of a luxury, but it did work for us last year. And now it's not there. So I'm interested in seeing how that goes, especially under Darren Moore. Is Darren Moore just for the first team? Is he going to oversee the playing style of, of like all the senior, well, the, the first team, the B team, and the under eight? Is he going to have a say in all of it? It's it's not really been spoken about just yet. And I think it's maybe because we've kind of rushed to get him in and he's only been here for a few days and we've only had the one game against Coventry. Maybe this will come out in the next few weeks. And I'm quite looking forward to, to seeing how it goes. But he handles himself with, with real class, Darren Moore. I thought when he spoke yesterday, it's a very touchy subject and, and town fans like you say we love Neil Warnock but no one said anything bad about Darren Moore really since he's come in and and, and that's quite quite amazing considering um, the passion we have for our previous boss but he, he seems to me to be to be the right appointment now but I, I just I don't think Warnock was supposed to go at this point if, if those things hadn't happened before um, but it's, it's, it looks like we're in for a nice few weeks here I think it, the, the club will start, hopefully come out and start talking to us and telling us what what, what's going to go on. And, and they sound like with global brand ambassadors and and this, mm. that, and the other, that it's going to go that way. And and um, it's nice to be going into this, isn't it? On the back of some good results. Instead of usual, yeah. when this kind of thing happens, it's on it's a relegation yeah. or or a new owner coming in and that last owner leaving under some horrible circumstances or something. It feels like, and I think Jake did speak about this, didn't he? He said, it's quite rare you can bring a new manager in where the club's actually doing okay, playing-wise. So we're quite fortunate in that position. And it, it gives us a bit of breathing room to kind of 
look forward to as fans understanding what kind of direction this the club's gonna gonna go with because Nagel's gonna go there whether we like it or not by the sound of it. He's definitely a man that, that like you say, beats to his beat goes to the beat of his own drum. And um, we'll find out more shortly. Just on the academy, I guess. I mean, <clears throat> I guess part of the problem is we don't know yet. You know, we're trying to uh, convene the uh, the ATT panel, uh, the the, the uh, panel of fans that the uh, the club engages with as soon as possible. But um, yeah, hopefully that we uh, I think on, in October. Um, but yeah, we we're trying to get that as soon as possible. But really, I mean, yeah, all we know is that they've. Um, They've applied for the category three. I think it was category three uh, set up for the academy. Um, they haven't mentioned anything about the the sort of BT model just being being scrapped, but, uh, as far as I know. But the uh, I know that they've gone for the category three model. But and I guess the uh, terms sustainability is like there's only one really way. There's only one way that really works, and it's what Dean Howell did quite well for a number of years. Is like initially putting a bit of seed money and you build your squad, and then you trade those players. The more money you invest in, then you buy new players for it, and that's one way you can do it sustainably. But so you know, one thing we're going to try and sort of get clarity on is that how they're going to run the club sustainably and be competitive, which is you know, ultimately uh, the most important thing, especially if, especially for town. I don't think we can. I think I think the long term future of the club depends on championship survival. Like anything going to League One, I think would really, um, yeah. I, I can't see surviving, to be honest. Um, if, we, if, we, if we just did League One forever, um, but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's what I was going to say on the the academy point. I've got one. I have got a question for you all. One. I have got a question for you all, though. Right, my favorite quote of this entire process, and I don't understand it, and I've worked fucking hard <laughs> to try and work this one out. Right, I think it was Jake. It could have been Mark Cartwright, but I think it was Jake in the press conference when Darren Moore's joined us. And he said, Darren Moore's, the data says he's the best coach for us. How does that work, right? <laughs> We've been playing Neil Warnock's football, so the data should surely say Neil Warnock's the best football. I don't understand how we can create data where Darren Moore will be the best coach for the footballers that we've got. And now, I'm not saying it's not there. It'd just be nice to understand what that is because I don't think I've ever heard that before. And now that, that press conference, sorry, that, that press conference was full yeah. of cliches, like you say, the three-year plan. Mm. Everyone comes in with a plan like that. Like we want young footballers. We want to galvanise the local support base. Like this is what people say. I get it. It's good. We spoke about it. Before. It's like when a band's on and they say, "Oh, this is the loudest I've ever been." Uh, whatever. It's like that. It's just easy cheerleading. It's great. But the the, the data says he's the best coach for us. I'd love to know what that is. It's a tough one with football. Obviously, like it's beat Moneyball. Etc. Has been tried in football for it, but it, uh, not not be not to work. As well as it does say with baseball, but like uh, I, if I was to guess and put my sort of data data hat on, it would probably be like maybe like he's got the highest win percentage of a team with like kind of certain like low low possession, something like that. If I was to guess, then maybe that's what it was. But a complete guess. Uh, that's quite yeah, good. I'll be honest. I hadn't thought about that one. <laughs> but like, all right, no idea. That's actually that's no, possibly no. it. But then, but then he's still pretty. It's still pretty flat when you're looking at possession because you've got a few different ways of not having possession, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fairness, he also did say that they overlaid that with personalities. So I think I, you're right because I looked at that statement and I thought the same as you, which is what day is that then? You can be basing it on anything, but but listen, all said and done, they're going to say, as you say, all the right, all the right things to to appease yeah. the fans. Um, what we don't know now is the detail of this this three-year plan going forward, how Darren fits into that, how the club fits into that. 
you know, how does how, how do the fans feed to that? Probably more importantly, because that's something that we're talking a lot about the club and the players and the manager and Kevin and Mark and all these people. But what about us? Where do we fit into all of that? What's our part in helping deliver that? Because the last time we had a really successful period and ended up in the Premier League, I'd like to think we were as we were we were as responsible in some ways as the players were. So you know how how does that all knit together? That's the bit I'm interested in, and I guess you'll have you might have more of an insight in that, Alistair, either now or when we go forward. But that sorry, I, um, I, I put out there what uh, could be the last bit. Sorry. Yeah, I was just I was just saying. It, obviously, the, the last time we had a real string of success when we got promoted to the Premier League, I like to think yeah. the fans played as big a part in that as as David oh, yeah. Wagner and the players did actually. And that's a big question for me, is in this new three-year plan and going forward with the new owners, oh, yeah. where do we fit? What What's our part? Because we want to play our part, don't we? We want, to, we want the club to be successful. Oh, definitely. And we want to need somebody. You might have more info on that or you might know, well, I guess, going forward. Well, I guess what's been into I mean, I guess we touched on it tonight in terms of, like, the squad does need it, uh, added investment. And I guess, and also, they've also said that they're, they need to run the club in a sustainable way. So uh, they've also hinted at looking at or reviewing prices of tickets as well, uh, which I guess is one thing that's, that's not slightly uh, pricked our ears up um, So when they said that. Um, but I, I guess and they sort of caveated that with, or oh, it would have to coincide with improvement on the pitch. But um, but I think, and uh, but like you say, I think but part of that sort of when we're in the Premier League and it was off the back of like, we've just put, Slash the season guard prices, massively boosted the attendance. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it massively works for us, sort of the current model we've got in terms of the pricing model. Um, there's almost less pressure when you go to a game, you pay about £10 a game rather than if you've gone to a game, you paid £25 a game, your, your patience is going to be a bit shorter, uh, for one thing. Um, but no, my, but having like a full stadium. Uh, as well, like it was a massive part of us going, getting promoted, and then staying there as well, just back back in the team. Uh, and I think from our side is that is, would be one of our worries was if we were to try and increase the season card prices in order to sort of fund a, a better squad would be sort of what would be the impact that that be on attendances and also sort of revenues. We have the sort of model at the moment where we get more in terms of buying money from the the kiosk. Uh, Taking more revenue from the kiosk to have more people. Uh, you know, if you sell fall falling attendances, what would that do to the club's finances? But also, you you definitely would see a fall in attendances and less people there backing the team. So, I think that's one thing that would definitely have to be considered if there were were any moves to uh, to raise the season card prices. I think as a fan base in Championship, we're relatively easy going as well. I think we're one of the easiest mm. fan bases to please because. I mean, like you say, we we've got really good price season tickets. It's not like we're paying like five, six hundred pound for a season ticket. So we're expecting all these world class mm. players coming in, and you know, we, we we've been perpetual strugglers in the championship, barring a couple of anomalous seasons. For, yeah. You know, we've been perpetual strugglers, haven't we? So really, I think most fans would be happy with kind of top ten in championship for for a number of years. It's not like we're all asking right. We we real we want to get in the Premier League. And that's it. You know, yeah. I think most of us are realistic. We, we just want some entertainment. You don't want to go and watch us get walloped three or four nil and, and have one shot on target. You know, it's 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 pretty simple, really. I think as a fan bit, if, if we get entertainment, we'll go and we'll enjoy it. And we'll probably spend money in the in the kiosks and 
you know, get the merch and but if you don't build a team that's worth going to watch, no one's going to come and watch it. And it, it's yeah. a, and that's why I allude, you know, it's all right having all this infrastructure behind the scenes and getting the right manager in and saying all the right things. But if you haven't got the right players on the pitch to deliver entertaining football and no one's going to be, it's not going to work. So th- for me, it requires, and when I said, you know, they've, they've got to, they've got to back what they're saying by getting the, getting the right players in. I don't necessarily mean in January going and spending 10 million quid. I, I don't expect us to sign Maybe we'll get one or two players in January. I think we will get some players in. But over the next two seasons, gradually each window, bring two, maybe three players in of the sort of quality of a Wiles, maybe slightly better, that kind of quality player and slowly building. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to do, particularly in the forward areas. We don't score goals. We're, we're allergic to scoring goals and creating chances. We'd, we'd, we've always struggled. Ever since we got promoted to the championship, we struggled to score enough goals. Very, very rarely do we ever have a positive goal difference. Our XG is often more often than not less than one. We don't create enough and score enough, and that's not entertaining enough. And we need to have the right players on the pitch to be able to create and score goals and provide more entertainment. And for me, if you're doing that on a more consistent basis, more fans are going to come and watch it. Even mm. if the prices were slightly higher I think people would still come because it's worth going to watch but if we if we're delivering poor football and we're at the bottom end of the table struggling everything else is irrelevant because that's what that's what we're paying for I guess it I guess the problem is like how much money extra money would you really get from like from increasing the season card prices in terms of what you could then buy I I guess oh yeah like you, you wouldn't be able to really massively improve the squad I guess through that alone you'd need some sort of other... no and I agree Matt I don't think it'll make I think what you'd lose in the in the in the amount mm-hmm. of fans particularly in the short term particularly in the first couple of seasons if they were to have a have a decent increase I think you would see a big a decent drop off of fans in the short term and I think I don't think you'd what you yeah you're talking what a million quid yeah. maybe two million that's that's one player and th- there's other ways there's more clever ways I think to generate income than than doing that, so so I I agree with you. I don't think it would I don't think it would be a positive at all increasing the prices. I don't I think there's other ways to make money. The if irony got... is the best the best way to make money and make a sustainable Nick is to get promoted to the Premier League. That's the <laughs> the irony is you're never going to have a Championship club that's sustainable and successful. Those two things are mutually exclusive. I'm afraid. So it's ironic, really. It's in, and I'm not a big fan of I'm not a big fan of fans who say, "Well, you've got to speculate to accumulate that." That's all right saying that. I think you're brass. It's really easy to say, isn't it? But but you're right, Nick. We you know we've got to at some point. And if they've got a three year plan, if this three year plan is real, and you're right, Nick. At some point, they're going to have to sign another six or eight wilds, aren't they? Which is ten, eight, ten, twelve million quid of investment. And has he got has he got the appetite for that? Oh yeah, but yeah. when you look at the amount of money we, when we've invested money before, like from the actual, I mean, apart from like some awful signings in the second seed of the Premier League, we've always done pretty well in the in the transfer market. Like you look at like Dean Hoyle here, there sort of like buying Clayton went on to be like a really big Championship player. Then like was able to sign Butterfield from that. Then we were able to sell Butterfield for even more money. Like 
doing Dino Earls here, like really very successful at sort of trading players in the transfer market. Look at Carl and Grant sort of signing for two million, sold him for what fifteen million. So I think for me, like if they're gonna do a sustainable club, like they can do that. But then I guess like trading in the main or the main product, which would be you know football players, really. I think they've, there's been some talk about commercial revenue streams, but again, like the money you're gonna make from that, it's it's not really gonna it's gonna sign you one player really. Whereas not actually investing initially, like some seed money in, into the first team squad, which is is needed anyway. I think, um, but from my point of view, that's like if they want to do it sustainably, that'd be the way to go. We need more exposure globally. Mm. We need we need a better oh, yeah. drive yeah. on retail sales and promotion, marketing, getting better sponsorship. That's mm-hmm. going to deliver a lot more income than raising season ticket prices, isn't it? And that's yeah, what the yeah. clubs... And to be fair, that's what they're doing. They're getting people mm. in position to be able to deliver those things. So it'd be interesting to see over the next year or two how that develops. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the Netflix series. <laughs> yeah. I wonder when that... Yeah. yeah it's been, I think the first episode, I was very impressed with it anyway. But um, yeah, I'm interested to see the next one. I always look out for it, to be fair. It's good though. I, I like those t- where you can look behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it. To be fair, we we Kevin. I I like the fact it communicates. I mean, it, to be fair, like since that tweet is not really tweeted much as it since after that. Mm-hmm. But but I I I like a chairman that communicates with the fans. It's it's much more dangerous and worrying to me when the chairman doesn't communicate and there's that disconnect yeah, there. Yeah. You know, like it or hate it, at least there's a channel there and at least there is that two-way communication between him and the fans so long may it continue for me right lads so but I mean it's not easy for more is it he's not got an easy start so we've had Coventry away which is always difficult and then we've got Ipswich at home who are absolutely flying at the moment they've won the last Mm. four (laughs) playing really good football scoring lots of goals just in time for us to beat them um (laughs) How do you guys think this is going to go? Do you think he's going to stick with the same side? Because it was much improved performance in the second half. I, I'll be surprised if Thomas isn't isn't starting that game, to be quite honest. Um, but I don't think there'll be much more changes, if I'm being honest, because I don't really know who else we can bring on. Because <laughs> we don't have the depth, do we? So, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think you might see a chair. I think Karoma might come out. I think you might put Thomas in, mm. take out... Uh, Headling, uh, headling, stick Jackson to left wing back, and then it wouldn't surprise me if you saw Harrett instead of instead of Karoma. I mean, they are absolutely flying. My lad lives down that part of the world, and they're absolutely full of themselves at the minute. You know, I think you you, you can't forget. By the way, they are paying mega wages. Ipswich mega wages. They were paying higher than Championship wages in League One, and this genius didn't even win the league. So. You know, I'm not saying he isn't a good coach and I was just looking, they've only conceded one goal away from home in four games and the only game they've lost, the Leeds had to score four goals to beat them. So, you know, they're, they're clearly full of confidence, full of form, full of form, which happens when you get promoted, doesn't it? You get on a run and, and, and as you saw, when we had our Premier League season, those first couple of months were, were like unbelievable, weren't they? The winter's a long time, the Championship is a big league. You know, I... I you know, I, Perhaps contrary to what some other people think, I don't think that they might make they might script the playoffs, but they're not they're not automatic promotion material. Leeds will be there, Leicester will be there. Don't rule Southampton out. Don't rule Sunderland out. There's some big clubs up there that are going to 
that's caused problems. But going to the game on on Saturday, I, I have a, I have a funny feeling it might end up being a, another cheeky draw. I think their last two games away from home, they have won, but won one nil. So I think they're they're much more like that's much more like a a championship team, isn't it? You go away from home, make it hard, and win one nil. So these three guys, yeah. the the last three away games have been one nil victories. And I think really, the first yeah. one. First game of the season, they played Sunderland underway and beat them 2-1, but they were 2-0 up against 10 men and they conceded one really late on. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a traditional kind of, they're going to turn up and just let us dictate play a little bit and, and make it hard for us to break them down. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I, I can see us taking a point from the game. I think I wouldn't be disappointed with that, obviously. I mean, they're second in the league and absolutely flying. So if we could take a point, I'd be delighted. But um, I don't think they're that invincible. Litmus test, innit? I don't think I think yesterday game played to our favour. We playing away from home at Coventry. They're struggling a little bit after last after playoff final hangover a little bit. Obviously lost two amazing players to at best players championship scene for ten years. We brought in a lot of money and, and whilst they spent it on like Sims and, and, and stuff like that, they don't look the same team as they were. So for us, we couldn't have gone at a better time to play them. They've um, struggled for results recently. Robin's a little bit itchy. If you saw him in uh, post match press conference, he's getting a little bit not stroppy, but giving it, well, what do you expect with Salt? Some play is going to take a bit of time. So I think we could play them at the right time, especially considering what, what's going on with us. And we're 1-0 down, we're chasing the game. So that second half, they just sat back trying to defend that, defend the one-goal lead and it allowed mm. us to go through the motions and, and and try a few different things and go at them. And with the last-minute equaliser, they've got no time to respond. It really played out in the perfect way for us. I don't feel like that's... Other than seeing Darren Moore and seeing how, how nice he was and that the players were willing to play for him, yesterday was a bit of a one-off. I think Saturday we're going to really see what we're mm. going to get going forward. He's got a few more days with the guys. He's, he's going to not only have seen people in training and, and seen what he wants from them there, he's seen them in a game situation and I think there'll be a couple of tweaks. I think I'm not so high on Jackson as, as Gaz is. I think he'll be out and I think he'll be out. I'll be, I'll be changing both of them. I think Nakamura to left wing back and, and Tom Lee's in at centre-back, thinking about what Nick said earlier on is probably more likely. Um, but the front two are Karoma and Bergzog, I, 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 I don't like how that works. I don't like that dynamic. I prefer Karoma cutting in. He's good cutting in from left onto yeah. his right and, and taking his shot that way. That's, to me, the best asset he has. And I think you take that away from him if you play him as a striker. Um, but then if Nakamura is at left wing back, I don't know how, if you put Karoma on the right, whatever. And Sauber Thomas, maybe maybe try him as a striker, but then you're taking away set-piece speciality. So he's, there's got to be an odd man out somewhere. Um, who's this? Who's this Nakamura you speak of? Oh, I'm all you, mean, over, you, you mean Nakayama? Nakayama, Nakamura. I'm all over the place, man. That's what happens. That's how it's Saturday. I'm by him. I'll just go with Yuta. Everyone else just goes with first name no, anyway, don't I, they? I call, I call him. I called him uh, Nakamoto yesterday, which is complete. Who's a Japanese <laughs> actor, apparently? So you're not your own. It's not good for a white Englishman to get lazy with names. We should. We shouldn't be doing this. We should be a little bit precise, more precise on it. I get it. I'll go with Yuta. That's what. That's what Matt calls him. Takes that chance anyway. So he. he I'll drag someone else into the dirt with me. Um, <laughs> but there's, a, there's there's going to be a, a, an odd man left out. And um, whoever it is, I think they can come on and influence the game if we need to in the last 30 minutes. And while everyone's fit at this point of the season, it's probably the only time we've got it. So it'd be good to mm. utilise it. But Ipswich will offer something. Uh, they might not be there at the end of the season, Gaz, but if you look at... The, the, the results are very strange. Uh, in that all their away games are really tight, but the home games are quite open. So when they do open up, they're not too difficult to score against, it seems. 
So in that odd game where you sneak a goal early doors against them at home, there'll be a total different outfit than the Ipswich Town has played away from the beginning of this season. I think the last game they dropped points properly. Well, so already, did they go for, for the playoffs? Finished second last. They finished second last year, didn't they, in, in League One? I think they drew the last game away from home last season and had a bit of a red card. And I didn't. Put, I don't think they put the, the proper strongest team out. So if you ignore that one, the last time they drew, or they failed to win away from home was against Cheltenham in something like March or April last year. So you throw a bit of adversity away from home and, and, and nick a goal early doors against them and see, and then you it's a very, very different game. And I know football fans say that all the time about scoring the first goal, but against this lot, it really is important. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I think, again, as I enjoyed yesterday with a new start and, and seeing more um, trying to imprint his, his, his football in the second half of that game, um, we're going to have that from the off, I think, on Saturday. And we're going to we're going to look like the town at home as the town he expects us to be. Um, do I think we're going to win? That's a different question altogether. Um, but I think Ipswich are a very good test for us now because it's it's one of those, they are doing so well. Everyone thinks they're really good. Even if you lose it, fans aren't necessarily going to get on the back of you. It's a bit of a free shot for town. And at home, that's quite rare. But we've been afforded that luxury after the good form Neil Warnock gave us before he left. Yeah. Um, but I think Sober Thomas has to be playing on Saturday. And I think a lot will... How, how we go will we'll be surrounded by how he performs uh, on his own because I think he made that much of an impact against Coventry last night. I think Kodoma as well is like a big part, like how more like we'll manage Kodoma. I think like that's like the, probably for me, like the biggest impact one I had was like getting the most out of Kodoma and just making him play good. Well, again, under following him, like Kodoma was really, really bad. And like we're just like trying, just trying to overcomplicate stuff. And whereas like under Warnock, he was cut inside, shoot, like, and that's what he's good at. Uh, like, said, like, so I think it's more uses Kodoma uh, well as well for me, almost as important. I'd say as you were saying, uh, Sober Thomas was as well. Um, to be honest, but I think for me as well, mainly, um, this is like the classic town. This is a cl- classic game that town always do well at. Like where we nothing, nothing. Uh, there's no expectations for us. We're playing a team riding high in the league on great form. Like this is when we do actually do very well. Yeah, it's difficult. To, what we mustn't do is concede early because if we concede early, the game will open up and they're, they're very good on their counter attack. So we we mustn't. If if we concede within the first ten minutes, it's going to be a mountain. But I don't know. I've got a good feeling about it. I I think. You know, I could see us getting a draw in this game. I don't think they're all special. To be honest, the, the, there's not many teams in this league that I think are particularly special. I think we've competed in pretty much every game we've played. And you know, even the even the the Norwich game, I think the the goals we conceded were of our own doing. Um, a lot of them. So, you know, I'm I'm confident we'll give them a game, and I think it'll be close. Hopefully, we'll get a draw or even a win. It'd be amazing, but it'd be nice just to get into that sort of twelve thirteen for it with a with a nice cushion between us and the bottom three, and just kind of sit there for a while. Um, we're only four points bit. off the playoff, Nick. Oh, guys, stop it, man! Let's just have a boring season. Let's have a mid-table <laughs> boring season. Have... We're nowhere near playoffs. We have got a playoff squad. <laughs> we have got a playoff squad, don't we? So maybe maybe that maybe that's it. I'm on it. A nice positive result. Let's get a really boring season and just uh, <laughs> let, let's just go mid table between eighth and uh between tenth and fourteenth. All year will do me. I'll yeah. just settle for that. And then we can go for automatic next season. Champions by yeah. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right, gents, we've waffled on a lot, haven't we? Um, there's been a lot to cover, to be fair. But has anybody anything else to raise before we call it a night? 
No, I'm good. I think good. we've I think we've covered everything, haven't we? But let's let's hope for three points anyway. The weekend. I mean, we've got we've got Birmingham away after that. It don't get any easier, does it? So let's <laughs> let's hope we can get something um, for Darren Moore and for everybody. So all right, um, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been a really good chat. That yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, and yeah, we'll be we'll be back again soon, hopefully after another win. Bye bye.